Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to Wealth360 and my partnership with my good friend, Michael McFiner. What's happening, my friend? Not too much. Thanks for having me today, B. Thanks for joining me in this important conversation. We're going to uh, explore Enneagram 5. We'll get into that in a second, but um, we're also going to be doing some fun stuff after we uh, finish this recording. Michael and I are both big fans of Ted Lasso. So a little, this is a little teaser for our fan base. We're going to do serious stuff, but we're going to also do some fun stuff. I'm looking forward to that one too. No, that, that one's fun. And you promised me we'd also uh, do one on Yellowstone, right? Yeah. You want a primer on crazy Enneagram 8 Beth Dutton. So we'll get yes, into that. Please. Please. Um, Yes, it takes one to know one, right? And I'm an eight. So that's why I thought it'd be perfect for you to give insight into the current season for Beth. So I think it's fun um, to mix it up like that because you can learn. I mean, Enneagram is it's real life. It's how we live our lives. And so I, I find that if you watch TV shows or movies and you can use this, it um, really deepens your experience of the Enneagram. So good way to learn. Yeah, I think it's a great way to remember you know, who, who's what. It's a great picture. worth a thousand words. And that's why throughout my program, for anybody who engages at Defy Your Number, I've got tons and tons of real-time stuff. I've got uh, movie characters, movies. I've got music genres of each type and just really uh, some, some good stuff because, it you know, it should be serious and help you make better investments, which is what we'll get into. But it also is just a, it's how you navigate life and uh, taking back the reins of your life. Now you've been able to apply the Enneagram to just about anything at this point. Yeah, it is. It's a, a, applicable. So um, if for anybody listening who didn't listen to my previous podcast without my good friend, Michael, I talked about the Enneagram 5. So every week I'm trying to do a general kind of primer of the Enneagram type. And then my partnership with Mick formally around the Enneagram revolves around what we call Wealth 360 which is taking that particular Enneagram type and looking at it through the lens of, well, Michael's expertise of money, finance, investment, all things financial. And so that's what we're going to do here. We're going to continue our journey. We began five weeks ago with Enneagram One. We've been marching through and now we are up to the five. So when I say Enneagram Five, um, who are we talking about, my friend? These tend to be people who are thinkers. They, I think, tend to be people who reflect a lot, who analyze, or just uh, you might think of them as, as intellectuals potentially, or, or, or people who ponder subjects analytically. They're not necessarily very emotional people. So that's why, you know, there are different names and different systems. That's why we say the number because the name can change, but the number is always representative of what Michael's describing. 
Sometimes I call it in my system, the investigator. I could have just as easily called it the thinker. Well, that's a little misleading because everybody thinks, but, but like Michael's saying, not fives navigate the world first and foremost through analytical processing versus emotional. There's other types that are more emotional based. Last week's conversation, Enneagram four is the ultimate emotional emoting type. Right next door, Enneagram five is the ultimate thinking type. And so that's absolutely right. It's also why they're both on the bottom of the Enneagram is if any of you are watching, you don't have to be watching, but I'm pointing to the Enneagram. And at the bottom, there's four and five, right? And that's because they're the most deep, complicated, complex um, numbers in the Enneagram. Uh, that's why, obviously, four plus five equals nine. They're a counterbalance to the nine, which is on the top. Nine being the peacemaker, the easygoing, the lighter version. And then down below, you have the sort of the shadow side of the Enneagram. And one is not better than the other. We need access to both, but fives really help us go into the depths of thinking and analysis. Anything else we want to add big picture to the five? I like to think of these as the professorial types, just the, you know, that I think everyone can relate to. A lot of the Enneagram sometimes tough to identify people, as we've discussed, like sixes and other things, but a five's a five. When you see a five, you kind of know a five. That's right. Yeah, they're definitive. Some, you know, six by definition is kind of ambivalent. They're, they're thinking types, but they're not sure exactly how they think. Fives are unequivocal, right? Analytical. Pure. Now, there are different variations. There are different subtypes. So not all fives look alike. But you do know, like Michael's saying, when you're around a five, because there is just this, well, five-ish kind of energy that's given off. So. We are calling in our Wealth 360 add-on. So remember, we have the I have the Defy Your Number program, and then we have the Wealth 360, which is the Defy Your Number program plus all things financial. And in our system, we're calling the Conservative Investor. Uh, I think there were some other names we were grappling with too, but we went with Conservative Investor, which I think is a good, it's a good call. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the tr maybe conservative in the sense of traditional. It's right. the traditional investor who is who are making investments based on analytical information, not on speculative information. So I think that's probably the difference here. They're, they may buy something that's aggressive, but they're doing it based on hard analytical information. That's a great point. I, I actually had coffee this week with somebody who's in the financial industry and they're an Enneagram 5. Um, and they're a, they're a sexual five for those listening. It just means a little more emotive five. And they didn't fully resonate with conservative if what we mean by that is not taking risk. But when we started to drill down in our conversation, didn't take long to get him to realize that he takes risk after a lot of calculation. There you go. So, it, And it's funny because you do have a tale of two fives, which I don't even want to go into. The, you know, you always hit me with the world's worst investors. Thank God Sam, you know, Bankman Freed isn't a three, but he's a five. Well, I think, yeah, yeah. I'm only mentioning that because the quintessential three that I think of, and you hit, you know, when you put the slide together, you put Charlie Munger, but of course I'm thinking Warren Buffett because Benjamin Graham actually is Warren Buffett's professor when you put Benjamin Graham. So Warren Buffett is, Exactly that type. He, he, I don't know if he's a social or sexual five because he's outgoing, he's friendly, but he's mystery analytical, right? He wants 
facts and figures, calculation, projection, cash flows, uh, you know, for that. So right. yeah, Benjamin Graham and Charlie Munger are Warren Buffett's. One's his professor, one's his partner. That's right. I knew Warren Buffett would have been up here, but I moved him down to a primary kind of a showcase. Yeah, I got scared when I, when I was reading it saying, what happened to Warren Buffett? But then you did, you, you, you hit me with a kind of right hook on this um, when you did I, the example. And this had, this was new because as everyone knows, B is an eight and he works 25 hours a day improving the system. He's, you know, you, you can't keep up with him, of course, but you know, Doing the comparison to Sam Bankman-Fried, which just happened a few weeks ago, is mind-boggling that you put all this together so so quickly. But you're you're so informative and and uh, insightful in this analysis. Well, I you know really wasn't me because I saw in the headlines young would would be could be Warren Buffett, aka Sam Bankman-Fried, right? That's how he was kind of a, the wonderkin you know version of Warren Buffett years later, but. Turns out he went in a very different direction. And, you know, for me, it's just a reminder for anybody listening. There's not an Enneagram type that's better or worse. There's a reactive version and there's a responsive, an unconscious, a conscious. And so the work that, you know, Michael and I are so into is helping people ascend to the higher side of their number. You can't change numbers. You don't need to change numbers. Just be the best version of you. Warren Buffett, Sam Bankman-Fried, same type, very different expressions of that type. So let's look at um, some of the nuts and bolts before we kind of jump in. Um, all right, let's talk about what are when when you think of the five. What are some core? Actually, it was this slide here? What are some core attributes that come to the forefront for you? Well, I th you know I, th I think the fives are thinking about, like you said, conservative protection. They want to make sure first and foremost, Warren Buffett's rule number one. Don't lose money is actually his rule number one. Right. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. <laughs> That's actually his his famous a famous quote of his, and I think that speaks to the five. That's the first thing they're looking at is protecting protecting your money first. Then once it's protected, you can then look to the growth, which is not necessarily what other parts of the enneagram do. For the first, they're looking at safety and protection. And then, okay, how do we build? But I think the protection, it, as you put number two and conserve, is um, the most important factor. They'd rather not make an investment if there's an unreasonable risk to lose the money than to invest it. So that is absolutely true about a five in general, because fives are, there's, there's three, uh, there's a triad of, um, Enneagram types that are called the withdrawing types. And that's Enneagram four, last week's um, talk, Enneagram five, and then Enneagram nine. And they withdraw from the world when they're under stress or when they're, you know, they need time to process. They need time. So they conserve in the sense of conserving, pulling back, right? Not conservative in politics, although I would be interested to know that because I imagine fives are more conservative in their political views they're conservative about everything. They're always pulling back as opposed to, right, charging ahead. Michael and I are the charge ahead kinds. I think, you know, fives are very conscientious. And, and I think people who tend to be conscientious tend to be a, a little bit more conservative. Mm -hmm. When I think of, even politically, 
the people who tend to be a little more liberal tend, tend to be a little bit more open to things and, and, and new experiences. And, and fives are, are traditional in every sense of the word, conservative, traditional, whatever word and adjective you like to use. Something that I have grappled with in trying to place um, Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, because they get thrown around between Enneagram 1, the um, reformer or perfectionist, and Enneagram 5, the investigator. Some people think one is in a one, and some people think the other one's a one. And it's, this is one of the confusing kind of mistypes that I experience in working with people. Are they a one or are they a five? Now, they have different motivations, and that's where I put Warren Buffett into the five, because the motivation of a one is to be perfect. The motivation of a five is to conserve, and Buffett feels more of that latter, that cons conservationist. Obviously, you agree with that. I think that's I think that's right, but I think you hit on a very important thing here, which is what what is the motivation behind those two, which is, is a big difference as you relate to investing, right? Mm -hmm. And conserving is a lot different than than other things. One of the reasons why I decided to put Buffett in the five is because I was listening to a podcast about him and his passing up investment opportunities in the late 90s. Um, and yeah, he basically said he didn't yeah. he didn't understand it. So that was the first thing, because a five would, you know, want to certainly understand first and foremost. And secondly, because it was too new. Right. And so he withheld. Now, of course, um, Elon Musk, a very different approach to tech. And so I put him more as a one. But what, I guess we we've talked about Elon Musk. Well, you've always taught me that obviously you might. You might score highest in one category, but you could be very close in the next category. So you, you, some people are clearly just dominant in one part of the Enneagram. Right. Some people might be dominant in a couple of areas, or at least very equal in, in several areas. So yes. I, I would suspect to your point that Elon Musk might be five, you know, have just be, be um, very close and balanced in five one, where Warren Buffett just isn't. He's That's clearly right. just, you know, five, you know, a five. So this is what we call your core type. You get one number that's your core type. It really doesn't change. It's your wiring. But our whole type includes the way we think, feel, and act. And so you have really three important numbers. You have one that's your defining number. But like Michael's talking about, you have you know one in the triad of thinking, one in the triad of feeling, one in the triad of action. So Warren Buffett probably is uh, thinks like a five, probably acts like a one. Whereas I think Elon Musk is a core type one, but he thinks like a five. So yes, they're not worlds apart. I mean, you're, I know, dominant eight and then second and four, correct? So I'm a, I'm a core type. Yes, eight. That's my MO. And then I feel like a four. Last week's conversation. How far, how far are you off from an eight versus the four, like point, you know, percentage wise? Like I know as a three, I'm also a one. Mm -hmm. But there was like 10 point difference in that. Does that make a difference how close you are in the things or, yeah. or am I overstating, you know, kind of that part of it? No, I think you're right on. I think um, it's it's, you know, we're, we're post election. Thank God, um, regardless of your politics, at least it's behind us now down in Georgia. 
and we can move on. And there's a margin of error when you go to the polling booth, right? And I think there's a margin of error too in the Enneagram, but you clearly with that um, three, one difference, you're not within a margin of error. Whereas, and I'm not either to answer your question, I but, but I do work with people sometimes where, you know, like they almost tie or maybe they're just barely ahead. And I feel like I, yeah. I owe it to them to share both. And that's what I'm wondering. I think that's why I say Elon Musk, I bet, would be closer to a tie where Warren Buffett, there's no there's no confusion in there. And I wonder, you know, where people, it, it, it's almost like schizophrenia in the sense that they have split split personalities in that sense. It's not definite. You know, what's interesting, too, is um, ones are really driven by a need to be good and be perceived as being good. And I was listening to Warren Buffett in this podcast, or maybe it was an audio book on him. But his wife said to him, I forget what he was about to purchase. Oh, no, it was um, somebody was just busted, one of the companies he was involved with. And he felt like he needed to do a take the high moral ground. And she said to him, Warren, you're not a pastor. Like, you shouldn't do anything wrong. But, you, you know, that's not you. You're not a pastor. That's not your character. And I, it kind of hit me. Like, there's he's a, he's a good man. I grew up two miles from Warren Buffett. I was going to say, he's a nice Midwestern boy like you. I mean, he's, it's different in the Midwest, right? You probably got get more of that. Good values. He was, you know, um, he, he, was, uh, he was a really solid human being. Everybody knows him as a, being a decent and humble man. But at the end of the day, I was listening to this podcast, and the, some of the things reminded me he wasn't a one. Not a bad guy, a good guy, but not a not a one. I don't know. So let's not uh, you know. I don't want to get too hung up. This isn't the Warren Buffett. No, but it is. Podcast. It is interesting to know you can. You really have, as you said before, that is an area where you you may be dominant in, but you have um, you know pieces of the other areas in you, and it depends on how you stretch that elastic to 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 fit in there. And some are more prominent than others. Like I know my lowest is a nine, right? And my highest is a three. Shocking. This is a newsflash. Right. But, you know, to that point, I, I know that, you know, my seven, my one and my eight are also a little bit more prominent for me. That's right. So that's why it's not about, you know, what's your number and just kind of anchor yourself right. to that number. It's all of these. They're all in you. And part of the work is to learn how to defy your number by you know, do, being a little less three-ish and being a little more two-ish or whatever your particular work might be. And it's always changing always adapting. So for a five though, and this is why again, Buffett and some of these others that are on here, core fear is really important. There's some great systems out there. I mean, Michael, you know, a lot of them, DISC and Strength Finders and uh, Myers-Briggs. Very few of any of them that I've discovered really get into what the Enneagram does, which is your why. What's your why? What's your core motivation? And part of our motivation comes from what do we fear? We're all human beings. We all have fears. Well, for a five, the core fear is really not knowing or having enough. And that's, I think, what drives a lot of the investment choices or strategies around a five. Is that your experience? It, it, it certainly is. It's the quest, the quest for knowledge and trying to translate the knowledge into results. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think that is the differentiator, which is critically important, knowing the why and what you've brought to the system of not just the Enneagram, but the Enneagram plus the why equals what these brought to Wealth360 and, and in general to this massive insight. 
Yeah, um, that why is is everything. Frankel, Dr. Victor Frankel, my mentor, talks about a lot about it. it. Says, quoting Nietzsche, "Those who have a why can endure anyhow." And so, when you know your why, right, what what's driving you, then you can figure out all the hows. And this is especially true with the five, because fives live in fear, constant fear, unconsciously most of the time. We're running out, running out of resources, running out of you know, it can be money, but it can be, you know, I imagine they're leading a lot of charges on climate change issues because I imagine it strikes the, to the, the core fear of a five, probably more than many other types. But that's important to know. And why do I say that? I grew up with an uncle who was a five and he was very financially successful, but there were all kinds of, there was all kinds of lore around him always being so frugal. He was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He was so frugal that I was told that he would turn his car off at the top of a hill to coast down it to save gas. Um, he had an old car that didn't have air conditioning because it consumed too much gas. So, you know, this it's important to know that fear. If you have the money in the bank, that isn't the issue for a five quite often. It's the feeling I'm running out of money. It's oftentimes what drives a five to make their choices that they do. Uh, it is it is a fascinating, I'm, I'm dealing with a client who's 95 years old and a five and um, refuses to spend money for um, home health care assistance, despite the fact of having enormous amounts of wealth to, to pay for that. Like, and at first, I, you know, it's a three and I'm struggling. I'm like, this is makes no sense. Right? Not, he's not going to run out. He's not going to do this. But 95 years of being a five with that fear, he can't open the purse strings. And I'm, I'm having difficulty helping with that. So that's a great example. And that the suffering that causes him but probably his loved ones, right? That's the most, yeah, the, the, the children who are, you know, they're not young. I mean, are having, are struggling to, to deal with it because he doesn't want to pay for help. And they don't all necessarily with their families have time for the help. And so we're trying to help get, get through to him. So I think um, that's it's just a great example of, well, when you start to know somebody's fear, you can start to help them, you know, alleviate some of those fears, starting to speak to the pain point because it's different in every type. And what I hear is, and this is what's so amazing about the work you're doing is you're bringing into a financial conversation, an emotional, psychological healing process. Well, we're trying to, the, my only problem of course is now, yes, I've identified the problem. Now I need you to help me solve it. So what do we do? You know, we're trying to explain to him, rationally because he is a five in fact he's a i think a ex-professor so he's a very analytical guy i still can't get over the hump even even explaining it so but but at least we've identified the issue now right. now we need obi-wan kenobi over here with you to to you know provide further insight of this is almost seems intractable you know, it's frustrating so there's a couple things I would, you know, suggest. I feel like we're doing on air, you know. Um, this is real life stuff. Right? This is real life yeah. stuff. This is, by the way, for our listeners, this is what Michael and I do. We talk about um, clients and 
people so, that Michael works with financially so we can best serve them at the deepest level. And, you know, for this gentleman, I've, as a rabbi, I did many, many funerals and I've, you know, buried, I did 500 funerals, I counted um, when I retired. And so many people I saw left wealth, generational wealth, but not the deeper components of what they were really trying to get to with that wealth. Nobody just wants to leave a bag of cash. I'd like to leave you with a bag of cash and instructions and, you know, part of my life's mission and message tied to that so that you can take this gift and do something with it and then hand it off to the next generation. And so I imagine this would speak to somebody like that, where we can reframe it in terms of legacy. And you and I've talked a lot about this, but especially for a five teacher type, right? Because fives tend to be professorial if not professors, then certainly they feel like professors. And that means they want to teach, that they want to impart not just knowledge, but wisdom. And so I found that getting into legacy conversations about what's really being left behind, right? And mm -hmm. starting to tap in, as opposed to a head-on emotional conversation, I don't sense that that's the way to go with a 95-year-old Enneagram 5. I would definitely agree in the latter part, right? That the emotional part's not going to have any impact. But I like the idea of talking, talking legacy. You know, one one another way to to think about this is um, just data, because I think it's interesting. Fives get very excited when I can show them the data behind the enneagram. Like mm. uh, we'll do a whole thing on it sometime where we take out your calculator and you can see this is all mathematics fives light up around that threes tune out but fives light up and um and so i would break down some of this into economics because if his children right really are struggling with how much time and resources can they allocate to take care of their dad it's actually economically advantageous for them to pay somebody to come in Right. And speaking in his language, in his terms about the economics of the situation for his children. Um, so I think there are different ways to frame it. I would never have this conversation with last week's type Enneagram four, just like I would never have that conversation with this type. Well, I think that's that's where you've like I said, developed something profound because we're able to customize a particular problem set. And these are difficult problems. They're not easy issues. In, in help translating it into a language that is helpful. Not saying it'll so solve everything with one one solution, but it helps it helps with with a laser beam approach, right? Yeah, and especially with a, a type like a five, because you shared with me the a data point a while back um, that just stuck with me, and it's when people are looking for a financial planner like Michael. I think the data said something like 85% of what they're looking for is non-financial, right? 15% or 5% or whatever it was is financial specific. Is that right? Well, yeah. As soon as I saw it, I saw it. I We were working on the system and I was like, wow, these really come across something here that the behavioral finance part has completely superseded what we used to think of return on investment or pure mathematics when that actually isn't the case anymore. It matters. They're table stakes, right? You have to perform decently for people to 
to keep you. You can't perform badly. That's not the issue. But is that what they're really concerned about? And the answer was no. And I was shocked you weren't, right? You, you knew the answer before I did, but I was stunned that it was that high and that was the issue. And it's changed our approach to, to, to dealing with things. So, so, you know, I, I would have guessed, though, I would, at least I would have, if I hadn't thought it through, I would have said at least an Enneagram 5, that probably isn't true. They're probably looking for traditional ROI. They probably want to see your, you know, your return on your portfolio. And I think that would be true at first blush with a five. But what I hear when you're talking about this gentleman is, you know, the pain and suffering behind those numbers. If you're 95, if you can't have any self-care, you know, wellness in, involved in the conversation, if you are going to deny yourself um, a good ending to this lifetime, Right. There's a lot of pain and suffering in that that I don't think is only data driven. Yeah, what you say is very interesting because from the perspective of um, how you approach the each Enneagram based on that, you know, statistic of 85 percent, it probably does make a difference if it's a two versus a five. So you do have to moderate it. So I, I, I would agree that they he would care more about the return on investment where a two might not be concerned at all as long as they feel comfortable that you're doing a decent job for them. So I tailor, tailor it both now with facts for a five, which I've learned with, like you said, these, these other insights, which I appreciate. Yes. And so I guess that's, you know, as we start to kind of wrap up our Enneagram five, the conservative investor, it isn't that there's a pure type where this is all analytics. You know, this person is an example is a human being and we have three ways of being in the world. We think, we feel, and we act. The question isn't, you know, do you have all those? The question is, which is your first line of defense? Right. Because that's what it comes down to. He's learned how to survive with these tactics, these battlefield tactics. And they may have served him well, but now he's in a different place in his life and he's still using the same tactics. But I like your idea, you know, hey, he's still analytical, so you've got to use the tactics that he's comfortable with. They must go with the facts, but how to expand that to help him. Because now we're trying to break, I don't want to say bad habits, but we're, we're trying to break a habit of, of not of cons too much conservation. It's gone, it's gone into the dark side, as you say, probably mm -hmm. what you call unintegrated, right? Maybe yeah. that you're too, con you're conserving when you don't really have to conserve. For your fear, you're so fearful that you're conserving irrationally, which is kind of counterintuitive for five to be irrational, right? That's right. But that's where he's a human being and it's not coming from his brain. It's coming from, you know, something deeper, this core fear that we have to address in order to get him to release the grip. Here's a great teaching from the Talmud. I, it sticks with me and I think about it quite often. Um, every baby infant is born into this world with fists clenched tight, screaming. And every corpse leaves this world with your palms open wide. There's no such thing as a corpse with a closed fist. And the goal of life is to learn how to open your hands before life opens them for you. Right. And so if we can help this gentleman leave this world with willingly opening his hands to give to himself, to give to his family by taking care of himself and so forth, it's just a much more beautiful, elegant use of the resources and way to be in this world and leave this world. I love that. I'll probably explain the Talmud analogy in backwards or something, but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll have to re-listen re to this when we're done.
So I find this is true with fives and my work with fives is to really help them to just let go and trust, have some faith and in the process and the people around them and the people that are tending to their, uh, you know, their medical health, but also their financial yeah. well-being. So my sense is, is when fives have chosen a financial planner, as an example, they've done due diligence. They oh. didn't just pick you out at the yellow pages. No, they're, they're probably the most due diligence. Exactly. So, so if I was working with somebody who's a five, I helped them, whatever the issue is, get back to you made the best choice of, I'm certain that you would have and could have. Now you need to trust your financial planner. You need to trust your medical practitioners. You need to trust the people around you. And that's some of the work for a five is to, is to leave the head and kind of come down to the heart. And that's specifically, you know, challenging for a five, but they can do the work. So to all of our fives, that is my encouragement of making that big leap from head to heart, because we know you got it going on up here. We know you have it going on down here in the heart, but also about opening up, sharing, letting go. Any final words for our fives, our conservative investors or anybody listening? No, fives are in many ways a pleasure to deal with because they they tend to act very rationally and 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 they tend to be very good investors, very receptive to to ideas, but the, the, the also very, um, like you said, um, very matter of fact. And so. thank God for them because we need that objectivity in this world. You know, they can look at both sides. A lot of us talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk of, you know, there's two sides, there's two aisles in politics as an example. Yeah. Fives tend to be pretty good at navigating that, that middle ground and, Having a, a foothold. I, I hope, hope there are a lot of fives in the Supreme Court. I think there are a lot of fives and ones in the Supreme Court. So, to all of our fives, um, thank you. We really appreciate you. And sometimes you get a bad rap like uh, some of the other types, but you really have a tremendous amount to offer this world. And if you're looking for somebody who gets the facts, gets the analytical side, um, but also is going to help you develop, you know, the emotional side. Reach out to my good friend Michael. He knows what he's doing in that space. Um, and stay tuned for more. So we will talk to you in the next podcast, which will formally be Enneagram number six, the um, Loyalist. So stay tuned for that one, and also be on the lookout for the Enneagram of Ted Lasso. Take care, mate. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.